The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Let's get them out of their seats and into the ring. You gotta be kidding me! Don't do this! This is the Finishing Move Podcast with Nick Cellini, Big John, and Adam Gillespie. We've got recaps, the latest storylines, and the biggest moments from the week. Now it's the Finishing Move from the Fans Podcast Park. All right, time for another finishing move, and the gang is all back together. Big John, the road dog, Adam Gillespie, along with yours truly, Nick Cellini, going to run through what happened on Raw. We'll run through AEW and, of course, this week in wrestling history. But, gentlemen, we start with the uh, big news coming out of the WWE. It was delayed for a week, but it looks like Seth Rollins is going to be back on SmackDown this week. And, Adam, do you think he will continue to be a heel? Yeah, that seems to be the trend that's going for him right now. He he made an appearance in the Royal Rumble, uh, kind of had some hillish tendencies. So I think that go keeps going with the Friday Night Messiah uh, on SmackDown, and I enjoy him as a heel. I know we mentioned a couple weeks ago on the podcast certain people are better as heels, and I think that Seth Rollins tends to be better as a heel. John, could we see an alliance of some sort, a reunion to a certain extent of the shield between Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns? I don't think we'll see that reunion. I think. What Roman Reigns is looking to do is, number one, I think it's looking to benefit his family a little bit more. We see the Usos. We know that uh, Jimmy or Jay, I always mix them up. The one that's injured, at some point he'll make his return. So it, it'll strictly probably be something that's along the lines of the family. And I think Seth Rollins, he'll look to try and what, what he once had, have his own stable that'll come about where he gets a, a follower, a disciple again, like he once had. And he tries to get a follower of his own to continue down that way. But I don't think we'll see a reunion. But the, hopefully their paths will cross one day, but just not in the very near future. And we'll see if they're going to be faces or heels. Everybody straddles that line, including Shane McMahon, who out of nowhere comes back at the beginning of Raw to kick off the show, helping Adam Pierce, whose job I want, because I believe I can do the job better than him. <laughs> helping Adam Pierce announce that uh, Drew McIntyre is going to uh, defend his WWE championship inside of that elimination chamber. I'm just trying to figure out, Adam, what the angle was there with Shane McMahon. It, it didn't really seem to make a lot of sense. I don't know if we're going to end up maybe getting a Shane-Drew storyline that could maybe potentially go on to WrestleMania. But what doesn't make sense to me is putting Drew McIntyre in this elimination chamber match. Because if we all are under the belief that he is going to be the champion at WrestleMania, we pretty much know that he's going to win this uh, Elimination Chamber match in a few weeks. And it kind of takes away the mystery of thinking what could happen. Why not have just five or six, however many it is, uh, opponents, none of them having been uh, Drew McIntyre, and let the winner face Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania, I think would be better. Other than Otherwise, putting him in there and kind of predicting who is going to come out the winner there. So, John, we look at who's in the Elimination Chamber. Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, The Miz, and Sheamus. And 
I don't know what they're trying to build here between Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, but it's fallen flat as far as I'm concerned. Look, they've fallen flat on a lot of the storylines that are there. I mean, if you take one each one one by one, Randy Orton, he had evidently third-degree burns on his face. Well, those are now gone. Yeah. And his put some sort of a balm on, like in <laughs> Seinfeld. <laughs> well, icy hot there. Who told you to put the balm on? Uh, his deal with The Fiend, we don't know where that's going. Him and Sheamus, uh, McIntyre and Sheamus, we don't know where that's going. The only twist that I could see that they could actually throw out there is The Miz still has the Money in the Bank title. We don't know where that could go. Could there totally be a complete swerve where we saw the promo, uh, The Miz and Edge? Could it, we see The Miz cash in? He win, and then we see The Miz and Edge at WrestleMania and throw something out there because it's been a little bit weird. If you go with, a, I think it was reported on Bleacher Report, where Vince McMahon doesn't trust the new talent. What better way to show that Vince might actually be? I talked about it last week. Maybe he's not around as much as, as we think he is. Well, then now you look up, and what's at WrestleMania? The Miz and Edge for the WWE Championship. Well, Vince would be happy because two guys that are a draw, and he gets what he wants. Well, Adam, what's Vince McMahon famous for? You put a plan together, then all of a sudden he comes in and says, we're going to change that plan out of left field. No joke. He uh, he is notorious for even for a mon- on Mondays changing the script for Raw that night, hours before the, the show kicks off at 8 o'clock uh, Eastern. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, and, and not only that, he's he's – Famous for now, I I say for torpedoing torpedoing uh, good storylines and taking them down a notch, uh, and and a lot of people say that he's out of touch. Uh, some people have said he's out of touch since the early '80s, but he's proven over and over that he wasn't uh, during those a couple decades that we've had there. Uh, but I do truly believe he is out of touch now. Uh, we'll see where it goes with him, but he apparently wasn't even in uh, the building for Royal Rumble uh, when that took place a couple weeks ago. Now, I know his brother passed away, and maybe he was out dealing with that, uh, so that took him away for that one event. But we'll see what he can do uh, coming up here. Do you think Vince actually takes time off for his family? Like no. when his, when Stephanie McMahon had kids, he took off to go see the birth of his first grandchild. Do you think he really takes time off for that kind of stuff? Where it's, You're having a kid? How soon can I get him on merchandise? All that matters to Vince McMahon is the WWE and going to the gym. That's what it seems like. And based on what everybody, yeah, based on what everybody uh, says about him, this is his life. But Adam, going back to Edge for a second, he comes into the ring on Monday night and says he's not sure what he's going to do. Is it going to be Roman Reigns? Is it going to be assuming it's going to be the uh, the champion now, Drew McIntyre on the other side? I don't know where this whole storyline is going to go, and is Edge really going to be a full-time guy moving forward? No, I don't think he's going to be a full-time guy. He's going to be a big event guy, and that usually means WrestleMania, SummerSlam, uh, Royal Rumble, where we've seen him twice now, even Survivor Series, if you still consider that a bigger event uh, as opposed to some of the other ones. I don't think him appearing on NXT last week was nothing but a ratings pop for NXT. There's no way that Edge came back to win the Rumble to go up against Finn Balor. Now, that could probably be a great match, yeah. but that's not going to be a WrestleMania main main event when you're using Edge. I think all the signs are pointing that he's going to go to SmackDown and take on Roman Reigns. And that brand can't handle I mean, we saw Finn Balor take some time away. That brand can't handle not having its heavyweight champion, its world champion there. for Because, I mean, you got to believe he's going to be like The Undertaker. He's not going to be a weekend and week out promo event type of guy. It's going to be once a month as it leads up to different pay-per-views. So that brand couldn't handle it. But it'd be fun to watch. It's a great pipe dream to have. But, yeah, I don't foresee that being a part of it. Speaking of veteran wrestlers, Lacey Evans beats Charlotte Flair via disqualification. This whole story angle now with Lacey and Ric Flair taking on Charlotte Flair and 
I'm, I'm glad that Lacey did one thing. She comes in the ring and says, it is not a romantic relationship. Nobody really needs to be creeped out. So I'm, I'm glad even in character she set that straight because that would be really creepy. Yeah, that, that would be a little over the top from that, end, from that angle, no doubt. And I don't think anybody wants to have that vision in their head of that Ric Flair is still trying to have uh, what Lacey Evans, who's probably 20 to 30 years his junior, climbs Space Mountain. Every time she calls somebody a nasty, it makes me laugh. I, I know it's coming, yet it's still <laughs> That's a makes funny me line. Laugh. I've always enjoyed that, too. Each and every time. Anyway, Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton go at it again in the end, and uh, the disqualification takes place as, uh, you know, Mr. Tan, Sheamus, runs in the ring. So that all happened to end the WWE Monday Night Raw episode the other night. But wanted to bring up one more thing before we move on to AEW. The highlight to me of the night was Lana defeating Nia Jax. <laughs> my hole! Nia Jax hole. shouting my hole. And if you don't where, know, where on earth did that come from? If you don't know what he's talking about. They had about. to lose it in the back when she did that. And they that. bleeped it out now. They're on WWE, on their website. Because when you YouTube. watched it the other night, she... She said it. It wasn't bleeped out. She did a leg drop on the apron. My butt, my hole. <laughs> and she's walking along there. My butt, the hole. I mean, outstanding. And it memes of the memes for days, and she's just played along with it. And, uh, oh, shit. Oh, oh, leg drop, tailbone first into the hardest part of the ring. Well, that's all steel reinforcement out there, Tom. Oh, Lana's still got to find a way to get Jacks through the table. She even tweeted out, I'm getting a whole lot of love lately, and I really appreciate that guy. That's probably the best tweet and the most personality that she's had since she's been there. No doubt. Good for her. Yeah. I mean, I, improv or wherever she came up with it, Outstanding. kudos for her. Roll with it. Yeah, One me. of the best memes I saw was uh, it showed the old school Greg the Hammer Valentine wearing the shirt, I broke Wahoo McDaniel's uh, leg, and then it had Lana saying, I broke Nia's hole. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> That's a good Again, when that's the highlight of the night, that, that's good, but it's well, sometimes not Speaks so good. Show. <laughs> yeah, it depends how you look at it. Let's talk about AEW. I, I wanted to save the best for last, but, but that final match was one of the best matches on regular TV or pay-per-view that I have ever seen. Fighting in the kitchen, potatoes flying around, people being attacked with sacks of potatoes. I mean, the way that thing ended, that's the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be athletic, but it's supposed to be entertaining, and you're supposed to laugh a lot, too. And it's supposed to be that moment of the show that, just like you said, you want to save the best for last. It, it's sad when you watch things like Raw and like SmackDown, and there's that portion of, well, the best part happened about an hour in, and now I still got, another, in Raw's case, two hours left of it. And what made it even better, and you, you text us in the group text, Nick, JR, those are potatoes flying <laughs> Good old JR. You just can't beat classic Jim Ross. I, I told you, it's some. It's one of those things that to hear him there, he adds that little nuance to it that you can put it. You don't want to put it on mute because you're going to miss some of the great commentary, some of the great things that him and Tony Schiavone are going to add to it. They go into the kitchen because it was a false count anywhere match between Kenny Omega and Kenta against John Moxley and Lance Archer, and it was Kenta and Moxley going back there fighting in the kitchen out of nowhere, Kenny Omega makes the save with a sack of potatoes. And then Jim Ross utters that line. But you had all kinds of action, and the ending, I thought, was incredible, too. And this is why I know you guys tried to sell me. Now I realize it on AEW. These guys are going out there, and they're putting on a show. They know what they have to do. They can't rest on their laurels. And, and that final match last night, case in point, everybody, if you haven't seen it, you need to check it out. Well, and then step one, you go back even a little bit further, where Moxley comes out with uh, the – uh, United States title from uh, what? Why am I thinking of it? Uh, IWP, 
He comes out with their United States title down to the ring. He's literally, they're going all in with this cross-brand promotion in terms of what they have with the Good Brothers, with Moxley, with Kenta. They're going all in with that. And just the fact that, like you said, they're not resting on the fact that we've been here for years. They're resting on the fact that where guys are talking about, I remember making 250 bucks a show. I remember making 100 bucks a show. We don't want to go back to that, but we also know some of these people, they know they can't go, go to WWE. Vince has crossed them off. So they're going all in now to do everything they can to put on an entertaining product. And I think, Adam, you and I might have talked about it off air. Even during the pandemic where there weren't fans, they got creative with it. They had the wrestlers that were in the back. They put them around ringside, and they made their own audience. They made their own people because they were already there. They're going all in. And to have a match like this that was just this entertaining, this much fun, this physical all over the place, made for a great show. It was everything wrapped into one. Now, Sammy Guevara, is he leaving the inner circle? And, Adam, how does this whole situation play itself out? Yeah, I think it's that classic uh, storyline of you have a faction, but then one guy kind of gets teed off and wants to leave. So then he starts battling all the members of that said faction that he just left. I mean, we've seen that over and over. That's a classic story, story wrestling line. I like Sammy. Uh, he's going to be good. He, uh, he's a great uh, high flyer, acrobatic He's got a lot, a great move set. He's young. He's talented. Uh, he's good on the promo. He's he's very creative. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this since you've been watching, but coming out with the signs that he would hold up uh, during the picture in picture, which John mentions a couple times, he used to hold up signs to the camera. So you would be reading pictures. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean it's very creative. Uh, so I'm I'm big on Sammy and the riff that MJF has kind of caused now in the faction of. The inner circle will be interesting to watch play out. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY. And there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. I like the punch in the stomach, the sucker punch in the stomach. That's not something you see every day either. Broke his ribs. Yeah. Broke <laughs> his ribs. Well, you got to sell it. The ribs were <laughs> taped up. Also a funny bit between uh, Matt Hardy and Hangman Page when Matt Hardy thinks he pulls a fast one at the bar on Mr. Page, and Mr. Page does the old switcheroo on him. I thought that was funny. It was basic, you know, heel wrestling 101 and the heel getting the tables turned on him but but funny nevertheless and this is one thing we talked about where guys who are better as a heel look we saw Matt Hardy a majority of his career as a face with his tag team brother Jeff Hardy but when he's doing this heel gimmick where he's trying to be this sports agent Mm -hmm. and what he looks like is he looked like an old sleazy car salesman he's in the three-piece suit just shy of it being a leisure suit He's in the three-piece suit, and he's just trying to get a fee from everyone to be their agent to to get a little bit from him. He's done very well just over the years of coming up with these unique gimmicks, and that's, I think, what's prolonged his career long as long as it has, where when you see him, whether it is as, you know, delete, 
or whether you have it. Which it's, it's hard to believe that's the same person. I mean, that's <laughs> that, how good he is. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's And it's just one of those things to watch this guy that here he was, a hot, quote-unquote, high flyer, team extreme, to now he comes out with, you know, delete, and WWE wants him, and they can't get it. And then what does he do? He reinvents himself one more time to continue himself along a little bit further. Good for him. You got to you gotta give him kudos for his creativity, and hopefully he can teach it to some others that they can do it longer. And, Adam, it's a sentence I never thought I would utter, but I really enjoyed Darby being dragged off in a body bag. <laughs> yes, being dragged behind the car is uh, it was amazing to see. <laughs> see, he was in, I think he was in there as the car drove away. And, and the thing about Darby though, and you kind of pointed this out in, in the text uh, the messages that we have is like he looks like he weighs only 130 pounds, yeah. and like anybody could go up to him. Any one of the three of us could go up to him and probably put beat him up. Uh, but man, he puts himself through a lot of punishment, and I wouldn't even doubt it if he was in that body bag when it drove off. It and, looked like he was. Crazy yeah, I to do did. It. he's yeah. crazy. Yeah, he definitely is crazy enough to do it, and, and probably tried and was like, "Well, do we need to get a dummy? No, I'll just do it for real, uh, and I'll be the dummy." Darby, uh, you should. Put, <laughs> I can Darby, do that. You should you wear sure? protective equipment. No, I'm good. I got a leather jacket on. Sign. It has tax on it. Okay. <laughs> just sign the waiver. Um, so those were some of the good things. The one bad thing that I wanted to talk about real quick was Jake Roberts throwing the lariat. I mean, they're selling, and then you got to sell that. Jake Roberts. That, that couldn't have knocked down my 11-year-old, that lariat that he threw. The beauty of it is if they don't cut the camera away fast enough, was it two weeks ago he did it, and he kind of gave kudos to who he gave the lariat to, good sell. Good job. <laughs> he had supposed him. to stay in character, Jake. <laughs> Jake, you're, you're not supposed to give him kudos and coach him while they're down there, <laughs> but he pats them, good job, good sell. This is what I talk about. Some of the older guys, I'm okay with you just look, if you just want to throw a punch, just throw a punch and tell them to sell it. Right. They don't have to over they can oversell it if they want. I don't care. But you don't need to get too physical because the wrong bump could break your hip. I was watching him roll around at him outside the ring. I thought for a second something was really wrong with him because he wasn't getting up. Well, he's been through those DDP yoga stages. He can yeah. get up and down. Well, I, uh, I figured like, as much, yeah. but I was worried. You would think that if Jake Roberts was going to do a move, though, it would be the DDT. Right. Now, I love the uh, the short clo- the short arm clothesline. That was a classic back in the day, but you'd think it would be the DDT he that he would whiplash. could, could he deliver. Himself. He'd snap back too fast, and then we got a whole new set of issues. But again, the, uh, the final match was outstanding uh, start to finish, so... Anyway, let's talk about some of the things. Speaking of veterans, what happened this week in uh, wrestling history. Uh, Sherry Schroll, you know her as Scary Sherry or Sensational Sherry. She was born on February the 8th, 1958. Someone that was really, really, really ahead of the curve. First of all, as a championship wrestler and then as the manager, the valet, if you will, to big names, huge names like Randy Savage and Ted DiBiase and Shawn Michaels. She goes off to ECW and then WCW, as you said, manages Harlem Heat. If you watch old interviews with Sherry out of character, one of the things she did was she would train like a lot of the other female valets who had to do wrestling moves. That was her job to work with people like Sapphire who worked with Dusty Rhodes when he was the common man. She trained a lot of those females behind the scenes, had to work with them a lot. One of my favorite Sherry moments, when this is when she was Sister Sherry, when she was with Harlem Heat. And Booker T and Stevie Ray are cutting a promo. Very, You can go online and look it up. Where Stevie Ray slips and uses a word that uh yeah I it saw wasn't it. set for TV yeah, about Hulk Hogan yes he calls him a word that uh normally isn't referred to to white people it's no. normally used for black people yeah but how she just kind of consoles him still in character <laughs> rubbing his back like it's okay baby and just still never breaks character Stevie Ray is I mean Booker T's holding his face like oh my god I can't believe I said that and uh 
and they're just kind of sitting there like, what just happened here? And this is on TNT. So at this point in time, behind the scenes, Eric Bischoff has even said, we're just waiting for the phones to start yeah. ringing up. What just happened? But she never breaks character. She still sits there with that devious look on her face. And that's what she was. She was just that devious valet that came to the ring. Queen Sherry, scary Sherry, sensational Sherry. She did it all, and she did a great job with it. Adam, that's the one thing I think that amazes me and why I'm still fascinated. I think you stand in agreement with wrestling over the years. When you watch some of these shoot interviews, as they call them nowadays, some of the stuff that went on behind the scenes, I mean, it's even better than what happened in front of the camera. For instance, when Sherry Martell marries Colonel Robert Parker, she's really hammered there. She shows up, and, and, and he did the interview, Robert Fuller. He said she shows up at the venue hammered, and they're like, we cannot shoot her like this. He said, no, no, this is better. Perfect. <laughs> Who else is going to show up drunk at their own wedding? Of course, Scary Sherry. Yeah, exactly. She she was a fantastic character in on, on TV throughout the many decades that she was there. Uh, as a wrestler, but she, but I think she really shined as a as the valet uh, with Macho Man in the early days. And I mean, she would take bumps. Now, this is not stuff you would probably see nowadays. But I mean, Hulk Hogan would give her bumps, and she would fly over Ultimate the top Warrior. Road of Ultimate Warrior. Um, and she was a tough uh, tough gal back in the day. Came up under Fabulous Mula and trained in in that system. Uh, so yeah, she was um, she's you know easily I would say a top five manager. Uh, over the years of uh, uh, her career. And let's not forget her voice will always live on as long as Shawn Michaels has his entrance music. Mm-hmm. That's right. As he comes in, that's her making the uh, sensual sounds that starts off his entrance music. Her voice will live on forever. Uh, unfortunately, she passes away at only 49 years old as she has all kinds of drugs in her system. Not a happy ending, but unfortunately, to repeat myself, we've seen that way too many times in the world of wrestling, but the good news is, if there's good news, she does make it into the WWE Hall of Fame prior to passing away. 41 years ago today in Chicago, Illinois, I don't know how a match like this happens in Chicago, Illinois, but Giant Baba defeats Abdullah the Butcher to win the All-Japan, again, in Chicago, the All-Japan PWF Heavyweight Championship. I don't know about you guys, Abdullah the Butcher never appealed to me. He wasn't really selling anything. He wasn't really telling a story. He was just Great mangling himself. and Yeah, that's true. He was mangling himself and mangling others. That's all he was doing. And spreading hepatitis, allegedly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With the fork to the forehead, yeah. no oh. doubt. Hopefully he was washing those before he put them back at Abdullah the Butcher's barbecue joint. We had him did on you the ever ra- eat there? No, never did, but we had him on the radio years ago. He said, come on down, and I'll uh, serve you some Chinese food and some ribs, and I'll stick a fork in your head. I said, well, that sounds appealing. Now, where else are you going to get that? That's on no one else's menu. Yeah. You're going to get ribs, Chinese food, and a fork in your he head. He sounded nothing like, because nothing. This, was, yeah. this was in the days before the internet. And Chris and I, Domino, we would talk to a lot of wrestlers out of character. So it was kind of something we were doing maybe before a lot of other people were. And I heard his voice for the first time. And he's a Canadian guy. He's from just outside of Toronto. Larry Shreve is his real name. He sounded nothing like I thought he would sound. And he, I said, is this really Abdullah the Butcher? He said, of course. Who else would it never be? never healed. He no. had those scars on there forever where he always bladed himself, he cut himself, those those never healed. But one of the funniest parts about this match is at the start of it. The I guess it's the commissioner, uh, Stanley Blackburn, <laughs> where it looks like he's reading the Declaration of Independence right. for the match. Yeah. I now declare this match yeah. for the title of Giant Baba and Abdullah the Butcher. It's a guy eating up camera time. <laughs> and then he puts it away and goes on. So that happened uh, 41 years ago this week, 38 years ago this week in Pittsburgh, PA, Bob Backlund defeats the WWF Intercontinental Champion at the time, the Magnificent Morocco, in a Texas death match to retain the uh, WWF Championship. It was Backlund's um, only 
Let's see, only his WWF title was on the line in the match. So he doesn't win the Intercontinental title. It was a one-way deal. But I love Morocco and, and poor Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund was a very underrated wrestler to me. I don't think he Well, ever, when he came back as Mr. Backlund. Came back with the towel on. Yeah. <laughs> he wore the when he, robe. When he attacks Arnold Skolin, his old manager. His he doesn't, old manager, he, he yeah. doesn't even do anything to him. Well, I mean, you couldn't. What were you going to do to him? Don Morocco got screwed out of the match. He had yeah. his foot on the road. I, I will tell you, watch those old promos before Vince McMahon. Everybody knew who he was. When, when guys like Backlund, he would help a guy that wasn't very good at cutting a promo and Backlund sell it. This guy trained you. You wouldn't be where you are without him. How dare you disrespect him? He did the same thing when Backlund got the guy from the magazine in the uh, cross-face chicken wing. Let go of him. He writes for a magazine. <laughs> Yeah, that was those were fun times back in the early days of Raw when Backlund was coming back and he, having the big feud with Bret Hart, and mm-hmm. he would just go around and anybody and anyone could at any moment end up in the crossface chicken wing. You never knew. The, the weird part with him is he's a really quiet, reserved guy, and they wanted him when he first dropped the title. They wanted him to be a heel, and he he wouldn't do it. And all of a sudden, not only does he embrace the role of the heel, from what I understand, he never broke character. Like backstage, nobody was really sure where he was coming from. So he really bought in after not wanting to buy in at all. And see, that's what made him so worse because everything I've ever heard about him, because he was so quiet, he'd just walk around the back, and he does, he's not this menacing He Once again, someone else, he looks like your accountant. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look like he's going to be a wrestler, and he's walking around, and he looks like a stiff shirt, and everyone said, when he was a heel, he didn't talk to you, but when he was a face, he didn't talk to you. So we never knew what was going to happen with him at that point in time. He... Was one, he's one of the greats. He's one of the ones that it's always fun to see him come back and throw someone in the chicken wing. 37 years ago, we talk about many an unhappy story in the world of wrestling. 37 years ago in Tokyo, David Allen Atkinson, better known as David Von Erich, dies while on tour at just the age of 25. And if you don't know about the Von Erich family and the tragedy that surrounded them over the years, just look it up. You want to talk about demons. That dark side of the ring does a story on the family and the one surviving brother. It's just it's beyond heartbreaking. Yeah, that family uh, tragedy is almost too not even a big enough word to describe what they've gone through. Uh, but you hit the nail on the head. I was going to bring it up. That first season of Dark Side of the Ring, they do an episode on the Von Erich family. Uh, most people who grew up watching WWE or F at the time are probably more familiar with the Texas Tornado. He was part of the Von Erich family. Von Erich, yeah, Kerry yeah, Von Erich. So. Uh, but, yeah, if you have the, uh, the ability to go watch that, I highly recommend all seasons and all episodes of that uh, show, but that one definitely was. And a such one. a famous family in the world of wrestling that people even actually took on the Von Erich name that weren't really relatives of it. They just kind of wanted to use the name. I mean, you had Waldo Von Erich, who had nothing to do with the family, and I think the only living member now is Kevin Von Erich, right? I, I believe you're right. He was the, the one, one featured, that accepted yeah. their Hall of Fame induction because they literally just put the whole family in there. They were, they were one of the wrestling royalty families. 31 years ago, All Japan Pro Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling co-promote Super Fight from the Tokyo Dome. 64,000 fans or so in attendance. They saw Masa Saito defeat Larry Zbysko. They saw Big Van Vader and Stan Hansen go to a double countout. They saw Antonio Inaki also take part in a match as well. So all kinds of big names. And I wanted to bring this up because... If you, again, have a chance to go into your uh, YouTube machine, as some like to call it, listen to some interviews. Big Van Vader, who is no longer with us, obviously, talking about some of the battles that they had or he had over the years with Stan Hansen. I mean, Mm -hmm. look, we we know it's a work, but sometimes it's not a work if these stories are true. Both of those guys are, you know, kind of known for working stiff. 
meaning some of those live, some of those punches they're putting in there are, are real punches. And both of those guys had that reputation. So you know, at the end of those matches that those two guys put together, they were feeling it and sore, no and, doubt. And part of it because you know, remember these people they tour together, they work together. This isn't just so they're in hotels together. So sometimes not only just working stiff, sometimes you're just letting out a little frustration because it's that moment of, you know what, you stiffed me on that bill at the hotel. I'm going to get you with this one right here, right now. Bang, one good one. And sometimes the guys, they would even tell stories of like, yeah, no, I know, he, he owed it to me. Well, there, I'm going to get him back. There's one of the matches where Van Vader, his eye is out of his head. It's out, out of the socket. And it's at the start of a match, and he has said it many times over during the interviews about that match and other matches. We got to keep going. We got an hour to go. I got to pop it back in and worry about it later. I don't have time to concern myself with stopping the match right now. Uh, if you listen to JR's podcast, he loves to tell this story about Stan Hansen, too, that he was um, not, he didn't have the best eyesight. He had to wear big, thick glasses, and of course, he couldn't wear those in the ring. So whenever the Stan would line you up to do his finishing move, the lariat, the basically a clothesline, you just had to hope that it hit you uh, in the chest where it was supposed to because his eyesight was so bad it could hit you in the face, it could mm-hmm. hit you in the chest, it could hit you in your stomach and knock your air out. Uh, so, yeah, you know, those those were two big, tough guys. And I'll say this real quick, and I've said this many times with John uh, before on the show, Big Van Vader needs to be in the WWE Hall of Fame, in my opinion. He was one of the biggest and best big men to ever fight in a square circle. Coming off that top rope, doing a flying um, a moonsault uh, is amazing. And it's a shame that he did not get that honor before he passed away. Great athlete. Absolutely tremendous athlete. Played for a while in the NFL. Was on that Rams team that played against the Steelers mm-hmm. in the 79 season, the end of that season, in that Super Bowl loss to the Steelers. He was actually on that team. So you're right. I, I agree with you, Adam. He, he does deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. 28 years ago this week in Dortmund, Germany, Ric Flair wrestles his final bout for the WWF, or at least what we thought was. Losing a championship match to Bret Hart. He was taken off a of TV back in January of that year when he had a loser leaves Tom match against Mr. Perfect. As we know, he comes back down to Georgia, wrestles for WCW, goes back up there and is still back up there to this day. Still there, yes. <laughs> the fact that Ric Flair, and he was kind of the, in my opinion, he was one of the ones that, because when a lot of people left and they went from company to company, they had to change names. They had to change gimmicks. Ric Flair didn't. Ric Flair still kept his robes. Ric Flair at one point in time even bought the WCW title with him yep. when he came up to WWF back in the day. So it, it's one of those things that it's just amazing that, number one, if you know if you weren't listening earlier, go back and listen. He's still around. Well, that that is the most amazing thing. And I, I don't mean like he's just around and, oh, thank goodness he's still with us. No, he's still in the business. He's still cutting promos. He's still around actually in the wrestling business, not just as a producer, it looks like we're going to see him for the next few episodes on something for the foreseeable future. And it's just one of those things that when Ric Flair, he chased the money. Whatever he did with it, I, I don't want, I'll never get in a. Well, he spent it. And that's what he I did. I think he drank it. Yeah, that too. And gave it to some ex wives. But, you know, Ric Flair chased the dollar. That's exactly whatever someone offered him, whether Ted gave him more money or Vince, that's where he was going with the dollar sign. And he's still around, but Adam, I doubt that he's going to be taking bumps. Yeah, I, I think those he, days. He looks are like past if he him. falls, he'll break. He could break. Yeah, I th- those the bump days are past him. Uh, going into no the doubt. turnbuckle upside down, I don't think he's going to be <laughs> no, doing that anytime soon. No. But I do recommend that that era of Ric Flair and the WWF is fun. He had a great uh, match with. Uh, 
uh, Randy Savage at a WrestleMania uh, where they were fighting over Miss Elizabeth. And the, Bobby the Brain Heaney with him? Yeah, was Bobby. Manager? Well, Perfect was like his manager, and then uh, Bobby the Brain Heaney was like an, an advisor for him. Okay. And they had they all had a relationship there. Uh, it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. I definitely would recommend. It's unfortunate you you think back then they I mean the WWF had Flair they had Hogan but they didn't put them together in a in a televised match and they had the opportunity to to do that at WrestleMania and they probably kicked themselves now because if they had done that that probably would have taken a lot of the steam off of WCW when they got the two of them together and were able to do that. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps it Five dollar minimum balance required. I think the concern always came about though was Ric Flair was always going to be the the free agent. And what's the last thing you want to have happen? Ric Flair goes to WCW. I beat their champion. So you, I think Vince McMahon, as everyone always said, we and Adam, you talked about it earlier. Where everyone says he's out of touch. Yeah, he might be out of touch, but he's still smart. You don't get to be that rich and get richer by being just by being stupid. He was smart enough to realize. I gotta protect my brand, and that's what he does at all costs. No, speaking of WCW and the WWE, you can actually watch this on the WWE Network. Twenty-five years ago this week, WCW presented Super Brawl Six from the uh, Bayfront Center in St. Petersburg, Florida. These were just some of the matches uh, on the card: the Nasty Boys, Knobs and Sags, defeat Public Enemy, who are no longer with us, Johnny Grunge and Rocco Rock, in a False Count Anywhere tag team match. For me, it's really hit and miss when you talk about tag teams. I, I never understood either one of these tag teams. No, I like Nasty Boys. I, yeah. I disagree with you. I, they were, as a kid growing up, because that was kind of when I started wrestling, I mean, I loved their gimmick. In the pit stop, well, I, I did it to my daughter just a couple weeks ago where I take her face and, and put it in my armpit, and, and that was the pit stop that they, shows up at his house, <laughs> yeah, right? that they used to do. I mean, I loved, I thought their gimmick was fun. It was never going to be the serious gimmick that you took um, and, and the, I know they held the tag team championships a couple of times, but I always enjoyed it when those two guys got in the ring. And the beauty of it is, and, and if you listen to uh, Eric Bischoff tell it, they didn't. They just like to be in pain. They just like to sit there and fight. They would recommend, hey, we want to take this bump. Guys, I don't think you should. No, we want to. Like, we're looking forward to this. And they were perfectly okay having no teeth. Mm-hmm. They, they struck me as the type of guys that would wrestle and then they would just stay in their clothes and just get go on to the a plane. Bar. Yeah, they they didn't care. They'd go to yeah, a we bar. smell so what. Yeah, we're not we're nothing fancy. Yeah, everybody else is staying in the Four Seasons. They're literally staying at the hotel where you drive up to the door mm-hmm. and you park your car out there. I think that's what they were into. Also on this card, Johnny B. Bad. Oh, what a horrible character! Defeats Diamond Dallas Page, who was a horrible character at the time to retain the WCW World Television Title, which is no longer around, but I believe should come back. Uh, Mark Merrow, 
Johnny B. Bad, Jewish kid from New York. They try to make him look like Little Richard. And he's wrestling a guy who, as Eric Bischoff has said in various podcasts, had 17 gimmicks going all at the same time in Diamond Dallas Page. You had two talented guys that were essentially lost souls meeting in this match. Well, when you start with, hey, my gimmick is modeled after Little Richard, you're probably not going to succeed. Uh, so although, that a, that's a Dusty idea, right? Yeah, that was. Yes. That came from Dusty, yeah. that He takes the blame or the credit, I guess, however you want to say it there, uh, for that gimmick. But, yeah, but I liked uh, Johnny B. Bad. I liked him better as Mark Marrow in the WWE. I mean, he was a Golden Gloves boxer, so he had the moves and he has the talents and the skills to uh, pass off in the wrestling ring. It's unfortunately, though, he just got saddled with that gimmick. And Diamond Dallas Page, this was as he was slowly making his climb to the success that we later knew him as. But you got to remember, this was also Dallas Page. He wasn't a young man at this point in time. He was in his mid-30s, possibly pushing to his 40s at this point in time. So he was on the incline, and he had you know been around the business for some time, managing and working with the likes of Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. But it, it was definitely, you know, when you talk about Mark Merrow and then when Diamond Dallas Page, when it was able to get that focus together, it was good to see him be able to do it and the success that came about. Also on the card, uh, Lex Luger and Sting defeat Harlem Heat, Booker T and Stevie Ray to retain the WCW World Tag Team Championship. Was this, at least during this time period, where Lex was kind of still a heel, but Sting was a face, and when Sting was looking, Lex would act like a face, and then when he wasn't looking, Lex would act like a heel? This was kind of around the time he was still 100% face because uh, Harlem Heat at this point were still technically heels. Right. They were just getting – they were very popular at this point in time. Because it all runs together when it comes to Lex and it Sting and <laughs> well, WCW. Lex, Lex flip-flopped back and forth. Sting, obviously, we talked about it. He was the eternal you know, face. I mean, there was a one moment in Impact TNA Wrestling where he went. But Lex, it went back and forth. Now, Harlem Heat, that's one of my favorite tag teams. And – Little fact that I just found out. They're the most decorated champions, Booker T particularly, in WCW history. Like Ric Flair, we talk about the 16 world championships that he's had. But Stevie uh, Booker T in WCW, he had 12 titles, whether it be tag team, uh, United States television, or world champion. He ran for 12 titles. Booker T really took off for some reason. I don't know if it was because of injuries or he just didn't want to do it as much anymore. Stevie Ray just kind of lagged behind. But Booker T is a WWE Hall of Famer, still doing some commentary for the, the WWE. But Stevie Ray just kind of did some stuff here and there, but just kind of stopped wrestling. He ended up being kind of the Marty Jannetty of that pairing yeah. uh, when you talk about Harlem Heat and Booker T kind of took it to the next level, and he was kind of the biggest star that WWE acquired later on when they got that first wave of wrestlers in and the, they ran the invasion angle. But, yeah, I mean, those are three, you know, uh, first ballot Hall of Famers, and I know Harlem Heat is in there, so Stevie Ray technically is as well. Um, but three of those guys, you know, hands down, no doubt, first ballot Hall of Famer. Booker T falls a lot in, of talent. Booker T falls into the list that we got to put together, though, as much as I love him, mm-hmm. and I'd never say this to his face. He needs to shave those dreadlocks. Yeah. That hairline. There comes a point in time where you have to just start giving stuff up. It's way back there. I mean, good for him. He still has some hair to hang on to. He falls on that list of people that we've talked about that it's time to shave it. You'd look nice bald. Outstanding radio interview. Talked to him 20 years ago when I was doing a Saturday morning show. Somehow got his information from the guy that worked behind the scenes at WCW. Did about 20 minutes with him. Outstanding. Outstanding interview. But let me tell you, as a guy from New York, and I remember watching WCW with my brother and growing up in New York, and here these two guys come out. Harlem Heat, my brother looked and said, 
Those two Bamas are not from Harlem. <laughs> They're from Mississippi or somewhere. We lived in New York. We had been to Harlem, the Bronx, Brooklyn, all these different places. No, 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 no. You know how they started. You ever hear that story going back to Robert Fuller yes. as, as Colonel Tom Parker? When they bought him out as prisoners. Yeah. And Robert and Fuller had on the colonel uniform. Correct. And Eric Bischoff told the story that I've heard where he's like, okay, who thought this is a good idea? Robert Fuller told them, I think we're getting fired, guys. They came out with chains on Yeah. They literally had them, which they're trying to portray them in a chain gang. Right. But here you have a guy who comes out as, you know, a Confederate, basically a, a, a plantation owner with right. two guys in slave. <laughs> yeah, that was the worst idea. And I, that, I think, was a dusty idea. That probably was. I think that one. I God rest his soul. I don't, I don't think Dusty had a lot of great ideas, aside from working his way into everything because his ego was out of, out of control. It, that was a horrible idea. Thank goodness they were able to bounce back and just I mean, think about gain this. some success. How big must your ego be? At the time, uh, the uh, oh, the tag team I'm thinking about, uh, the Rock and Roll Express, at the time they're taking off, and all of a sudden Dusty starts booking himself in three-man tag teams because the, they're taking off. He did the that with the Road Warriors. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, later on too. I mean, he's always he always found a way to. What's this guy doing here? Now he got a lot of heat backstage apparently from yeah. that. Uh, I think there was some real life heat between Flair and him. Uh, there was definitely the on air, but there was behind the scenes heat because of the fact that they always, since he was the guy with the pencil, he was always writing his name in the top lines when they were writing out the cards. The pencil is the most powerful weapon. In the world of wrestling. It is indeed. Write you in and erase you just as quickly. We know that behind the scenes, speaking of the pencil, Kevin Sullivan was the booker man. That also happened on this card as well. Kevin Sullivan defeats Brian Pillman in an I respect you strap match in just 59 seconds. The bout comes to a sudden stop when Pillman grabs the microphone from referee Jimmy Jett and screams, I respect you, booker man. At the time, nobody knew what that meant. Yeah, that was before the curtain kind of got pulled behind, and you know they were still very kayfabe back then, and, and wanting you to believe what it was all real, uh, and that it wasn't just scripted and made up in the back, and that Kevin Sullivan was the guy with one of the pencils back then. Uh, that that's a very interesting storyline. I don't the match doesn't is not probably as good as probably the story. Yeah, fifty nine seconds behind the scenes story uh, that really kind of led up to all that. And you brought up Dark Side of the Ring. Season three, which is supposed to come out, I guess, at some point this year, one of the lead episode this year is going to be about Brian Pillman. So I would expect that to be one of the main topics they touch on, and I'm looking forward to it. When Brian Pillman, who you know went from flying Brian Pillman, he was part of the Cincinnati Bengals, and then he becomes, you know, before there was the lunatic fringe that we had in Dean Ambrose. He was way ahead of his yeah, time. Yeah. Way ahead he of his time. He just came out there. He was a part of the Hart Foundation because he's trained in – the dungeon with Stu Hart and uh, Bret Hart and Owen and those guys. He was guys. another guy who worked the boys, as he they did. like to say. He would never break character. He went out there, and, and I think we talked about it before, was that one episode. And I'd love to know whether it was just him coming up with the idea when Stone Cold shows up at his house, his legs broke. He's got a gun! <laughs> Ryan's got a gun! And it just cuts away, and you're just kind of sitting there with the thought of, and as a kid, you're thinking, okay, what what really just happened here? And Stone Cold becoming so wildly popular at that point in time of, Okay, I got to tune in next week now. The, the best thing Brian Pillman ever did was when he first signed with the WWF at the time, and he's very emotional, and he, he's out of character initially, and he says, I'm, I'm happy to be alive. He's just coming off that accident. He's still on crutches. I can't believe I, I get this opportunity to wrestle in the WWF, and then all of a sudden he breaks character. Shut up! He's like, you guys are like my family. And then he goes, I forgot to say I hate my family. <laughs> he just never knew what was going to happen. When he grabs Bobby Heenan, 
in oh, WCW, yeah, that, that, yeah. and Heenan swears, "What the heck <laughs> are you doing?" He grabs him by the neck. That, and that's when out you, there when on you YouTube, work Bobby Heenan, who's seen everything, you know you're doing something right. If you're getting over on him, you know you've got you're doing your character is in deep Daniel Day Lewis style. I mean, yeah. there where you're just twenty four seven Abraham Lincoln. It's uh, it's yeah. Brian Pillman was a great a great wrestler. His son is now in AEW, uh, so we'll see where he can go if he can follow in his father's footsteps. Um, but yeah, Flying Brian, the Hollywood Blondes, the relationship he had with Austin yep. before uh, WWE and WCW, and does anybody and all that. cut a promo and make mention of his dad? Does someone just literally go that callous? Go that? Would I mean, it surprise you? It's wrestling. We've seen we saw Paige talk about you know when she was in a battle with Charlotte Flair, she talked about. Uh, Charlotte Flair's brother, who ultimately who untimely passed away. Yeah. Does someone cut a promo and just say, you know, if you're taking me on, and I don't even want to go down the dark road of where they could go. Myself. I mean, I wouldn't do it. That's bad karma. Exactly, but it's wrestling. But, I mean, anything and everything will be used in professional and wrestling. Well, so many people don't like the script anymore. Do they just go with it and just kind of? I, I want to say that MJF may have already done that on social media. Uh, MJF or was it the scarf of MJF? Because remember that is a handle on there too. Uh, well, I don't follow that one, so it probably was MJF. But uh, so I think uh, that's already that line may have already been crossed at least on social media. But you got to imagine that when such to- touchy subjects like that are brought up, you know, does MJF go to him and say, "Is it? Are you cool I think, if I, I do that?" I would to. think that that would be the process. Yeah, I would, I would think that He'd some hope. sort of a conversation would take place beforehand. 18 years ago today, let's close with this. A great one passes away at the age of 44. Someone we just mentioned in passing earlier, Kurt Henning, found dead in his uh, motel room in Tampa, Florida. Again, the age of 44. And you want to talk about a guy that was a great athlete. A lot of the things that he did, he was really, you know, hitting half-court shots and bowling a strike. The, the vignettes that he did as Mr. Perfect, the touchdown, I think Steve Jordan was the uh, Vikings tight end that he was there with, being a Minnesota guy. He had a connection to those teams up there when he throws the touchdown pass to himself. It's one of the best things you'll ever see. Mr. Perfect was that that wrestler that you wish he got to do more. I mean, because he was always basically a mid-card of pretty much. You, you remember with the IC title, but you wish he got a chance to do more. And I don't ever remember him being a face. I think he was an eternal heel because he came out, the arrogance that came along with that character. He was, he was briefly a face, remember, when he teams with Randy Savage. Remember yeah, Bobby and, the Brain smacks battled, him when he, he's battled, with Flair? Uh-huh. And Yeah, he battled with Flair. He was a face a little bit there. And, and I guess uh, there were, and then when he came out, when he returned for a little bit at a Royal Rumble was one of the surprise entrances. He got that, oh, it's great to see you pop, and kind of was a, a face for a little run there. But the majority of his career, you're right, he was definitely a heel. And then kind of another thing we've touched on multiple times on the show, he definitely was better as a heel. Well, the character leaned to it as well. Yeah, I mean, no, the arrogance that it takes to say, I'm perfect. It takes a level of arrogance that goes into it. And, and when you're coming out there, you know, he spits the gum out of his mouth and swats it into the crowd. Which isn't easy to do. No, it's you not. Figure, tried for years. Yeah, you got to figure a time or two you're going to miss. No, he, he went with that. He'd throw the towel over his back. He he tried for you. He just had that, no pun intended, he was perfect at it. Yeah, well, his dad was great, and then his son tried to make it, but his son, just Curtis Axel, just there was just no real way to find something for him to do where – it would be a great gimmick for him. They they tried just about everything with him. Yeah, and when they when he came in, he came in and was beating Triple H, won right. the Intercontinental Champion. So they gave him a great start, great to try push, to, yeah. to jumpstart his career, and it just never could really hold 
Uh, and I think he had some injuries in there, too, that took him off TV, which, of course, never helps. He seems like he's one of those guys that's really funny behind the scenes. They, they've yeah. talked about an old wrestler who's no longer with us either by the name of Brad Armstrong. Aaron Anderson's talked about mm-hmm. him in his podcast. Definitely. Behind the scenes, he could imitate everybody. He made everybody laugh. And then all of a sudden, he'd get in front of the camera and it would vanish. Yeah, it, would, it didn't translate right. to the audience through the camera. Something about the camera just took that out of it. Uh, but Mr. Perfect was one of the all-time greats, in my opinion. I, I loved his character growing up, or I hated his character growing up. Which means he did his job. Yeah, exactly. Perfectly. So, yeah, and Wade Boggs, you to talk about Wade Boggs, who inducted him into the Hall of Fame in the WWE, also talked about how great of an athlete he truly was outside of just the stuff that he did in the ring. Unfortunately, it, another one of those tragic tales in the world of pro wrestling. Because it is sad that, I mean, when you talk about it, we're talking about people who passed away. He was a kid, 40, 44. That's, 44. that's nothing. 25-year-olds. I mean, that's, and it's one of those things that these guys are up and down the road, and depending on the time, whether it be steroids or just other narcotics that get involved, the alcohol that comes with it, it starts to take a toll on their body. And, you know, they do whatever they can to, A, feed their family, but, B, to cope with the pain that they're going through. Well, because if you didn't wrestle, you didn't get paid. You didn't get paid back then. That's the way it worked. And he's one of those guys that never held the big championship. He was never a WWE champion or a WCW champion. He was one of probably the best or better intercontinental champions during that run. But And he's one of those guys who probably never needed it, uh, to be honest with you. I know Eric Bischoff, I, th- I think, says that a lot, or Bruce Pritchard says yeah. it a lot. There are certain guys Sometimes who Sometimes it don't... works against you because yeah. you're so good you don't need a title. Mm-hmm. You're a draw no matter what. And he so. helped give just that, though, that validity that went to that mid-card title of the United States, of the— The workers' belt. Yeah, those belts that just came about where we've seen so many guys, Scott Hall being another one that he was never he never won a big-time belt, but— you can think of some great matches him and Shawn Michaels had where he was the IC champion. Even going over to WCW, it was just that mid-card that he worked and did a great job with it. So hopefully you enjoyed our work today here on the Finishing Move. want to thank everybody for listening. Remember, subscribe, like, download, check it out at the Podcast Park or wherever you get your podcast. Tell a friend. Tell 75 friends. Tell 10,000 friends. For it's a pile driver. It's a Stone Cold Stunner. And it's also a torture rack, all wrapped into one figure four. That's what this program is, the finishing move. Again, we thank you for listening. Wrestling's fake. Wrestling's not fake! The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.